You're listening to Every Last Drop Podcast. Join me, Danny, Nick, and sometimes Luke as we explore the relationship between philosophy and art. If you enjoyed today's show and want to contribute to what we're doing, visit everylastdroppodcast.com slash contribute. We greatly appreciate your support. Enjoy the show. Job podcast. This is always one of my favorite things to get to do is to actually have somebody to sit down with and talk in person. So I have uh, invited my friend Sean, and he's sitting here next to us. We had our little pregame meal, if you will, <laughs> and now it's time for the main event. So very welcome, de- Sean. Very delicious, by the way. Thank you very much for your cooking. Welcome. All right. Of Glad course. you like it. It's always a pleasure. So I just. I just rattled off a list of things that you guys didn't hear. Any of those stand out to you? You want me to repeat them? Uh, the, you know, they all stand out for me. I um, I have a little bit of knowledge um, and critique on most of those. Uh, maybe to start off with, maybe I could give them a little bit of my background. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so a couple things here. How about this? How about you give a little background mm-hmm. on uh, sort of who you are and where you come from, mm-hmm. and then just to just to set the stage. Maybe just a, as a little icebreaker, you can maybe, how about if you have a funny story maybe from when you were a kid? Sing us a little song. Okay. Or okay. Yeah, or sing a song. <laughs> making me go uh, thinking of some uh, interesting stories. Okay, so um, so let's start off with the funny story and then we'll segue into what I do now. <laughs> yeah. So as a young kid, I was always using my imagination because like uh, so many other people, you know, money was tight. So toys were often broken or not there. So we did what we could. We just imagined. So in the backyard of my house, um, you know, I was that kid that was always... um, pretending he was riding a dirt bike or a four-wheeler or something like that. So here I am. I want to say I was about four years old. And uh, I see this board that's kind of broken in half going across this little uh, indentation in the ground, kind of like a sunken-in hole, if you will. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to drive across that, you know, in my little dirt bike. You know, little do I know. Dirt bike? How old were you? Oh, I was four. I mean, imagining, you know, <laughs> cheap dirt bike. Uh-huh. Pretend you're holding the handlebars and go... Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. So here I am about to go on this hole and jump on the other side. Little I do I know. Um, I sink. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently my parents were uh, replacing the septic tank. <laughs> Uh-oh. And here I am screaming, Mom, Mom, Mom. <laughs> Hold oh, up, held man. up by my elbows because I was making handlebars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, had I not been doing that, I would have sunken and probably died. Oh, my huh. god! Funny. Not funny at the time. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, they came and got me, and I, of course, was covered in 
poop. <laughs> so, oh. Uh, oh boy. I learned. So, nice little fun little story there. Segue into what I do for a living. Uh, <laughs> That's like one of those stories where you have like a nervous laugh, like, ha, 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 is, isn't that funny? I almost died. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I honestly, uh, it, it's led me to have some neat little uh, slogan puns, if you will, for anybody that's a, uh, you know, septic pump guy or whatever, you know, hey, we <laughs> such and such, uh, you know, we know our shit, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, fill oh. in the blank. We, we have a shitty job. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I am a uh, entrepreneur, if you will, business owner. Yes. Um, I use the word entrepreneur first because honestly, it is kind of a uh, disease. I can't help but uh, look at situations and problems and try to figure out, oh, is there a formula for someone that could introduce themselves into uh, providing a solution, if you will, for these. So uh, I cut trees for a living. I started a business um, right out of high school, uh, starting with uh, landscaping and graduated into uh, the art of uh, tree trimming, if you will. And, uh, as, uh, progressed into, uh, a few different niches that, uh, involve, uh, a little bit of science, a little bit of, uh, utility, uh, pruning, if you will. And, um, yeah, we've created a neat little company out of that. And, uh, more importantly has taken me on a journey, I, I guess, if you will, a journey of, just being interested in um, the world of business and the world of uh, ideas, how to uh, create something from nothing and yes. how to learn from people have who have been there and done that, but also at the same time have discernment because sometimes people will just tell you what you want to hear and... <laughs> not the right not the right thing so yeah that's a that's a interesting combination for sure so i i i've always kind of created this uh habit if you will if you're not asking questions you're not growing mm-hmm. um you growing is not something that happens automatically you know you're going to be the same person 5 years from now that uh, you are today, except for the books you read and the questions that you ask and the relationships you form. So, um, the learning that you do. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, through those avenues, the way, the way technology and everything is advancing every single industry. I mean, you have to be asking Mm -hmm. questions. You have to be learning the people that aren't are too confident in what they're doing and are kind of dying in their repetition, if you will. And then pretty soon you have uh, something like Amazon coming up and, you know, completely dominating an industry that is making places like Walmart scared. Right. You know, we were talking about that earlier. Right. It's true. While we were grilling the chicken. While we were grilling right. the chicken. You know, you have... Gone, uh, gone. I believe I believe this, and I think you'll agree, but I think gone are the days 
when you can choose to be complacent in a particular job that requires only a certain limited skill set that's repetitive and you keep that for 30 years and you retire with a company with a pension and it's like, oh, well, yeah, every day I showed up and I, I clocked in and I did everything that was asked of me, nothing more. And I clocked out at my time, always on time. I always did what was what I was supposed to do. I met my obligations and then that's it. You know, I think gone are the days when, when those types of jobs are like, I don't think that's going to be there. I mean, so, maybe some of that will still exist a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, I think we're in a day and age now where you have to be a developing person. You have to be dynamic. You have to be learning. You have to be educating yourself and learning uh, because if not, you risk falling by the wayside, you know? Um, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. So like, let's, let's take Ford for instance, you know, you used to be able to go work at Ford and have a very long, uh, steady career right. uh, where their higher ups were making a hundred dollars an hour. And, uh, you know, with that hundred dollars an hour, were they ever really truly getting ahead? It depends on the individual, but guess what's happening now? Um, a lot of those functions are being replaced by robotic welders. Yeah. And, um, That's right. you know, fill in the blank, um, you know, steel mill industry. Um, yeah, there's still a lot of, uh, work that's going on there, but, um, you know, it, it's just fill in the blank. It's all across the board folks. So, in my opinion, it's getting to a sink or swim type situation where if you're not learning something new and asking different questions every day, and then on top of that, teaching our children in our current education systems how to be able to do that as well. I mean, we're just we're just asking for trouble later down the road where it's going to be an ever-growing chasm, if you will, between the rich and the poor, the poor being the people that uh, didn't apply themselves or were thinking, okay, my dad did this and he has a pretty good life. I'm going to go try to do the same thing. That job may not be there. And by, and by job, I mean like that, even that, that career Mm -hmm. may have become obsolete. (laughs) The longer, the longer you wait too, the harder it is to actually get, get ahead again. Because everything is advancing so quickly. Mm-hmm. So right. like, so like we've brought this example up a couple times, you know, Kodak, you know, they're gone. Mm. They were the leader and something called the digital camera that turned into, oh, now my phone can take pictures. And a little place like Walgreens comes up where... Now I can print those digital pictures right here and there completely destroys a giant that had no idea that this change was coming. Yeah. And they were dominant. You know, Uber, uh, Uber is, uh, I've not personally used one, but I You've never used an Uber. I've ever? not, I've not, you know, down or a lift. Down in the country where I live, south of the right. river, yeah, River Kankakee, we uh, we have big trucks and <laughs> no Uber, no Uber trucks, no Uber trucks. But uh, 
I, I recognize yeah, but... I recognize the need. I recognize the place, and I recognize that the uh, current form of transportation being public transportation and taxis. I mean, they're going to be feeling this for many, many more years before, um, if 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 they're able to last that long. I mean, everyone's using Uber as an example now. Well, it's kind of like the Uber of such and such industry or right. whatever, you know, they're, they're fill in the blank. So, yeah, hey, I mean, that's how, you know, when you've really made a stamp on something, when people use your brand name as, I mean, even, how many times do people say, Oh, can you hand me a Kleenex? I was just thinking that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. And that Kleenex is a brand or you know? thermos. Yeah. Thermos is a brand too. Really? Yeah, Band-Aid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Band-Aid. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another one would be like, uh, I don't hear this one as much anymore. It's kind of an older one, but like um, people used to say, can you Xerox that? Mm. Meaning make a copy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they're, are they around anymore? I don't know. But um, the, the statement remains what you were saying, you know, things are changing and in order to accommodate that change, we as individuals have to, destroy the preconceived notion that these are what our stars are this is what we were born into and this is what we're only ever going to become yeah you know just not too long ago you made a comment about you think how uh sink or swim and how we're getting into times now with the way that technology continues to rapidly advance and just it makes all the stuff more efficient and you know it's it's the market is basically uh making things more efficient and making things more cost effective to do and driving down prices and it's it's raising everybody's standard of living but the byproduct is that certain jobs and certain industries are going to go down or not exist anymore uh and you, you said something about how it's almost going to like divide a line between rich and poor and now I I can hear a, like a lot of people would almost take offense to that and say, but you're not like poor people. They're not choosing to be poor. It's like they're, they're victims, mm-hmm. you know, like they were born into tough situations and they didn't have control over that and blah, blah, blah. And you need to raise our minimum wage. You right. Know, and if, and you know, it's because our, yeah, right. Cause and we're, they're not able to make a living wage because they're, Minimum wage isn't high enough, and you know you can't fault them for that. They don't have the same privileges that everyone that rich people have. Well, you know, okay. respond. Well, I I have a few comments to make on that. So, I, okay, the the people that work at McDonald's, we need McDonald's. I I get that it's hard to. Be able to provide for a family living on that kind of wage. But you probably shouldn't be 30 years old still working at McDonald's. You probably should be using that as an in-between where you're really going. And don't get me wrong. It it seems like the curse of millennials, if you will, is that whatever they're doing for a living is only an (laughs) in-between. 
you know, nobody really knows what they want to do for a living. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, that that's me. I'm a millennial and that's true about yeah, me. You, you know, too, Nick, right? I've been yeah, doing to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing what I've been doing for 13 years. And sometimes I wonder if I'm doing the right thing too. Um, not that any of that time has been wasted. See, that's, that's the important thing to look at it here. It, you're learning something mm-hmm. everywhere you go. McDonald's is a perfect example for my next comment. So I'm reading this book right now called The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber. And the idea with him is that the purpose of a business is to basically make a system and instead of sell that service or product that that business makes, you're actually trying to sell the business. The business is the product. So I found that a little bit odd at first when I heard that concept. So it's a different point of view. I'm, I'm a different captivated. Spin on it. I'm, 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 I'm going deeper into it, if you will, at this point, because, you know, I like what I do for a living. I, I'm basically driving Tonka trucks all day. You know, who wouldn't <laughs> love that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not wearing a suit or tie. You know, I'm wearing the, you know, beautiful dirt all over me, you know. <laughs> yes. So. Um, in touch with the earth. <laughs> I'm in touch in, in general, yes. So I, anyway, uh, Michael E. Gerber's got this theory. He thinks that most people that start a business um, are not actually entrepreneurs. They are uh, tacticians in their field of experience that get sick and tired one day and have an entrepreneurial itch or seizure, if you will. So they're thinking, I'm doing this really good. All I'm doing is making this guy money. I'm going to go out and start a business and be in business for myself. Really good at what they do for a living in general, but guess what? That does not run a business. So a lot of businesses fail because of people that don't actually know how to run a business. So I always told myself, even for years and years and years, if someone wrote a book on what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, you know, I haven't found it. And, oh, crud, I did find it. It's been sitting on my shelf for three years. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, um, back to McDonald's. McDonald's is a franchise. Um, Many, many leadership books talk about Ray Kroc and how Ray Kroc was a milkshake machine salesman. He was selling this specific milkshake machine that Mm -hmm. would make something like six milkshakes at a time. Who in the world needs to make six milkshakes at a time? Well, he finds out that one of the people he's selling to bought six of these machines, six or eight, and is using them like nonstop. And he's like, I got to see this. So he stumbles upon the McDonald brothers. And uh, you can imagine, um, you know, long story short, Ray has this idea and he gets in business with the McDonald brothers and starts to make their system come alive and figures out, oh, wait a minute, I can market this. So the when I say that the idea of 
building a business to sell it, the idea of the business being the product. If you think of the people that work at McDonald's that are working at minimum wage or whatever it might be, generally speaking, it's not rocket science type people that work there. Yet, Ray Kroc built a system that if you were to buy a hamburger in, let's say, Valparaiso, and you ordered that same hamburger in Orlando, yep, it's going to taste the exact same. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be done the same exact way. From Florida to California to New York. To China. To, yep. And consistency is a huge element in business. And that's what that's what he did. I mean, and he's doing this with... Not necessarily the smartest people on the planet. Okay. So Yeah, he set it up so that it's 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 not like there's a certain he removed a certain um what's the margin of error that could be from the human side of it. In the simplest way to say it is is he wrote everything down and he put it in a company handbook, he color coded everything, and he made it so as long as the dummy could read, you can duplicate these certain systems and these certain processes across the board um, from one side of the country to the other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you name it, turnover, uh, how to hire. Um, I mean, all of these things that are troublesome for most businesses, he basically developed a system and it's a proven system uh, last time I checked, you know, to buy a McDonald's franchise was somewhere around the $2 million range. Hmm. That's a lot. Uh, and uh, there's however many thousands of McDonald's. And, uh, you know, basically that happened over the course of, say, one generation. You know, a man that was uh, a salesman of milkshakes. Yeah, there's there's a movie about that story. Have you heard of it? Uh, I, what, what was the name of that again? Founder? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I just... I have seen it. But. That's like an easy, like, relatable example. Some people might know kind of the story, but not the same, you know, the story. You know, um, basically, that's what I find interest in nowadays, is like, what is it that I do for a living, and how could I systematize that? And not to like go deep into it, but, you know, basically most industries struggle with a certain avoidable expense and that's turnover. Um, So a real life example, you know, I may have or may not have hired a certain individual to help me out. And by time that person was at the point where they could say successfully make me money on a duplicated system. Um, I had already spent, let's just say 50 grand on training him and he was ready to say, take that knowledge elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, nuts. What do you do about that? <laughs> How much time do I have invested in this person? More importantly, what did I actually teach him? Because, hey, I may have, I may know how to do everything I do for a living inside and out, but I'm not necessarily the best communicator. 
and I forget to mention things that are really important, like, oh, yeah, when you're hooking up a trailer, you really should probably latch the ball, you know. <laughs> first. Change can do all the work. Don't worry. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I've got, I've got, uh, the green industry in general struggles with high turnover rates, um, because it's mostly a seasonal business. And as soon as the college kids get home, uh, from school or high school kids, uh, are looking for a job, you name it. Um, most of them end up coming and working, not more than a season at a business like that. And, you know, right. lucky business owners will find them being able to have them the whole season if they don't quit two weeks later. So mm-hmm. um, I've got some ideas of how to implement certain strategies like that in uh, in a setting that would be essentially beneficial to, you know, more than just one person, you know. Mm-hmm. I... I think that um, what's remarkable about a lot of these uh, new up-and-coming leaders and business owners is a lot of them have, like, a certain, like, drive or a certain passion. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be sound, This might be a little cheesy, but, like, Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, I'm, like incredibly stoked at his whole idea about trying to provide internet to like third world countries Mm -hmm. with a unique way of doing that. So like the idea is, is us here in the States and you know, this side of the world in general, we have more opportunity and we're just progressing leaps and bounds just because of our communication. Let's say our, our, technology mm-hmm. that isn't a readily available to other people. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm really big on people that use their wealth, if you will, to help impact the world, mm-hmm. you know, because in a sense, that's the whole purpose of like wanting to be wealthy, if you will. That's I mean, right. It shows that they have a why behind yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, you got to know Which what your is why is. You got to know what your why is. You it's know? everything, man. It's... I mean, I think there's a book written about that from Simon Simon uh, Sinek, Sinek. Yeah, yeah or Sinek, yeah. Yeah, you know, start with why. You know, what is your why? And then build your business around that. Yeah, hmm. I've been trying to define my why lately. Mm-hmm. Just just yesterday, actually, I was I was meeting with, uh, with Kyle, our pastor, and kind of doing some of that some of that stuff starting with defining the why and cause, cause I'm in a spot now where I'm kind of thinking about like, what's my, what's my next step. And before you can do that, you've got to have some kind of vision in your life. And that stems from like the why you have right? to, you have to be yeah. so intentional with that though. I mean, honestly I have anytime I'm working, like say on my business or on myself, I, I mean, you have to go out of your way to get yourself out of your element because your brain works different if you're in something different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, like, I'm in a podcast right now. I've never done this before. I've never been, yeah. you know, this close and up and personal with my thoughts, if you will. And, mm-hmm. you know. it's You sort of have to get over that hump first because it's like, at first you're like, what? I'm like sitting down and recording a conversation that I'm having. And I'm like, I've never... 
And it's like, this is public basically. And mm-hmm. it's like, I, I don't usually air this much of my thinking in a public setting like this. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I would, it's uh, fun. I like it. I would dare say that like, if you think of like leaders and motivational speakers, it's not like what they're teaching oh. us and getting paid, you know, money to basically have a conversation about is anything new, but they were bold enough and diligent enough to communicate their ideas with themselves intentionally and in a structured format where they were basically having conversations with themselves where it's like, wait a minute, you know, this is exactly what I need to hear and I need to find a medium, if you will, to kind of communicate this with, because I really feel like instead of just helping me, it can help other people also. The same applies in so many other categories, like in in songwriting. Mm -hmm. If you're just playing music by yourself all the time, Mm -hmm. you got to get with other people and and jam and get that environment Mm -hmm. where that's, that's supportive of, you know, thinking different thoughts than you do when you're by yourself. A lot of the, a lot of music in the Christian industry now, especially, um, and I'm sure across the board is collaborative, collaborative efforts, you know, um, you know, it's, there is strength in numbers and, you know, I don't want to be misleading with that comment I made before about, you know, basically building a business with structured, um, with the structured handbook, essentially, um, you still need good people, the right people. Uh, Jim Collins used the term, uh, you need to get the right people on the bus and not only on the, the bus, but in the right seats of the bus, because at that point you have yourself a team that creates momentum and momentum is key and, most thriving or most businesses, you know, just if you can keep that momentum going, Mm -hmm. you know, and put the right people in the right seats of the bus, you don't have to do all of that, like thinking by yourself anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you've got to give those people a certain tool that they need to be successful at their job. And that is these systems and processes that you and only you can kind of start because you know, your business inside and out, you know, your customers, you know, the industry, they might be coming from a completely different company, a different industry. And basically uh, it would be unkind to be unclear. You got to be very clear and help these people by giving them the tools to basically work with. And maybe you're not managing oh, a bunch of people, but these key people that you are empowering, if you will, uh, they're helping delegate the load. So like for me, example, um, I'm maybe not the best to say CEO in my company or an operations guy. Uh, but I'm a darn good go get the big fish, the mm-hmm. next big thing. Nobody, nobody else can go do what I can do. It's just, but if that were all that I focused on, then I wouldn't have a business 
to per se. Wait, you mean you're not, your strong suit isn't like day to day operational things? Yeah. So like more so like big picture, maybe, may, maybe to back out of it. So like, cause if that's the case, then you actually are a good CEO. Well, cause CEOs aren't supposed to be day to day guys. Yeah. So, I mean, I, a, a good friend of mine always said, you gotta, you gotta be looking down, not up. So, um, if you're finding yourself doing the like tactician role more than you should be, um, like you're going out there, you're mowing the yards yourself. You're, uh, you're, you're doing the actual production work. Um, your head and brain operate a different way when it's kind of like per se doing stuff that's menial. And, um, that's kind of abrasive to, uh, forward thinking, if you will. I mean, it's like, it's exactly the opposite of what you want. I mean, you got to get yourself in a position in an environment to essentially do your team a favor and lead and take away the big stress of their lives because that menial stuff, that's what they thrive for. They don't want the big responsibilities yet you're going to have those same responsibilities whether you're doing their job or whether you're doing your job it just so happens to be though that you are better at doing your job than you know anyone else ever could be so part of what i need to do more of is putting these systems in place now for me kuiper vegetation management does have a company handbook that is a start um, I'm very thankful for that. We have policies. Yeah, that's a good step. Um, a lot of that is me just being diligent enough to having, uh, time to think and having someone next to me to help write it all down for me. If I, if I try to write it all down and, uh, think at the same time, I almost get lost in that one particular thought. Um, if yeah, I, yeah, you, you need a little separation there. I'm, I'm yeah. like a machine gun the other way, you know, mm. it's like, da, 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 you know, just popping off stuff left and right. Some of it is okay. Some of it is bad, but a lot of it is like, oh, you know, this is really good. You know, people might kind of understand me now and understand the way that I think. And, you know, oh, guess what? You know, we're supposed to do our job with integrity and these are some surefire ways of how to do that because oh guess what the owner of the company holds integrity very high in his core values and heaven forbid we do um do something that um wouldn't be in line with the job that he sold like you know, heaven forbid, um, we don't do something that he said yes to the customer. We will do this. Or even in the simple, like I, nothing kind of pet peeves me off more than like something as simple as like guys smoking and tossing their cigarette butts. I hate that. You know, just on their, on the job side of all things. Yeah. I mean, it's the worst place. You're, you're supposed to be representing... I mean, you're not just, I mean, if that guy's working for you, not only is he representing your business, mm -hmm. but when you do that, you're representing yourself. Mm -hmm. And you know, like that, 
That reflects poorly on you, I think. Smokey the Bear would greatly disapprove. Oh, yes. my goodness. So offensive to Smokey. Well, I mean, I use that as a small example. So, like, um, you know, on the back of our company shirts, we have a slogan. And it, it's the best slogan that I've ever come up with so far. Is it absolutely perfect? I don't know. But the this, you know, Kuiper Vegetation Management, caring for trees, serving the kingdom. So we're a Christian company. Um, I hold that in high regard. Um, I've had people come up and read the back of my shirt and just thank me for, you know, just being bold enough to put that on the back of my shirt. You know, it's not it's not trying to beat anybody over the head with a Bible. You're just stating who you are, what, yeah. what, why you exist. And who we are. I mean, yeah. vegetation management is a mouthful in themselves. Half the time people are like, oh, do you do something with vegetables? <laughs> no, if it's green, we can do it. You know, that's essentially the idea. We Vegetation management is a term in the right-of-way utility industry where basically um, any vegetation growing in a spot that it shouldn't be, we can manage whether it be chemical or mechanical treatment. So... Um, that also dulls, I mean, that kind of incorporates the tree service industry in general. We do chemical injections and spraying in trees and augmenting, if you will. Um, the, the list goes on. I, I have certificate, uh, certification to be a certified arborist through the International Society of Arboriculture and hold a valid pesticide license to uh, basically treat turf, uh, ornamental trees, uh, shrubs, uh, industrial weed management, and uh, forest pest management. So, um, you can well, do a lot of things. I can do a lot of things, and in and, and a lot of niche things too, if you will. Not everybody does that. Forest pest management, for example, is. Uh, it's really hard to find a contractor that has that certification. So what that is for, and a quick example is um, our forests are in the middle of a battle right now and they're losing big time. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, glad you asked. So we are currently facing... Not uh, to get too into the weeds. No, uh, ba- ba- basically... Uh, pun intended. Basically, I like that. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> New slogan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, invasive species. That's the thing. Um, we're, we're doing trading overseas and stuff gets lodged in crates and pallets and ultimately spreads. Um, emerald ash borer is an example of that. Um, a little bug got on something that it shouldn't have been. And, uh, we, uh, Basically, in the northern northwest Indiana area, have lost ninety percent of all of our ash trees because of this little bug. Um, Wow! You know that is that is an epidemic of. I don't know what's the right term for that. Yeah, devastation. It it, it is. It is. Uh, The city of Fort Wayne um, uh, lined every one of its streets with a uh, with ash trees and they find themselves in the middle of cutting down 30,000 dead. Every one of them dead. Hmm. Ash tree. Wow. There is treatments for this, but uh, at least in our neck of the woods, um, the trees that are still alive have either already been treated or are half dead right now, and there's no, like, say, funding from the 
you know, residential owner to like say cut it down or whatever that it it's, I mean, it, it's shocking, you know, these trees can get enormous and be overhanging your house. And now all of a sudden you've got a dead tree that you know is going to come down and it might cost you $4,000 to cut that tree down. No insurance company is going to give you $4,000 for something that hasn't happened yet. Mm. You know, so it's, uh, it's kind of an economic, uh, devastation on not only the fact that, you know, these trees add value to the property from an appraisal standpoint, Mm -hmm. but to the point that now all that money, you know, to cut these things down, you know, is coming out of, you know, these people's emergency fund or what have you. Yeah. And and, it's coming out of the pocket, you know, you know, and and darn near any cost as much as any major home improvement or whatever. So, right. I, you know, just to remove a potential problem. I I provide a service that's needed. I, it, it is a needed service. I admit, I struggle with the fact that a lot of the service that I provide is something that, is kind of based off of some sort of devastation, you know, whether it be like emergency tree care, you know, a tree that is about to go through a house or already has, you know, um, I've pulled, um, have you seen a lot of those, you know, um, we were talking about this earlier, but like in, in DeMott, Indiana, where I'm from, you know, uh, we went through an 80 year period where there was no major storms or anything like that that had come through. And then all of a sudden, in a in a three year period, we had two major storms that came through. Straight line winds come and basically level every mature tree there was. Um, mature trees tend to be larger, heavier, and especially if they're green, um, they act like a sail when it comes to wind. Mm. Um, if these trees haven't been properly pruned, a proper pruning would like say thin these trees a little bit every so many years. So instead of the wind compressing against the tree, it blows through it. Well, what ends up happening in this particular situation, water weighs what eight pounds a gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yep. might have say a 48 inch Oak tree that may have somewhere around 2000 gallons of water in it. Wow. And now That's leaves that are acting like a sail and, oh, it just so happened that when these storms came through, we were going through like torrential downpours and uh, the soil was uh, waterlogged. So what ended up happening was the, these trees uprooted. Under their own weight? Huh? Under their own weight. The, there was no integrity in the soil to basically hold them in the ground. Wow. And... Uh, so now you got 16 foot tall stump in the air. It's like, what do you do? You know? So, um, I, I say all of this that I'm saying to say with the forest and, um, issue, there are to dull it down there. There are bushes and trees that are not from this area. Um, trees that grow nine to 12 feet a year, um, that if you were to just cut them, 
uh, Tree of Heaven, ironically, oh, they call it. Elanthius is the technical name for it. But, uh, you know, Elanthius has a um, chemical response that if you were to cut that tree and I'm talking within 30 seconds of cutting it, if you don't apply an herbicide to the stump, it will actually create this mucusy shield that will seal that tree hmm. from it's a protection thing is what it is. But what ends up happening is it just kind of, you know, coined the phrase pisses it off and uh, it turns into 12 more trees the next year reproducing ribosomally hmm. uh, wow. through the root system. So um, terrible problem. Um, on the edges of our woods, uh, especially on say like interstates, um, where these guys go through with mowers and mow them all down and, you know, one turns to nine, nine turns to <laughs> oh, no, you don't. a hundred and then vice. I mean, you know, just, they almost look like giant bushes is what it yeah. is. And that giant bush will turn into, you know, a 30 foot tall giant bush in two years. Mm. So, um, uh, other things like bush honeysuckle, uh, autumn olive, these are tr species of uh, bushes that were introduced from China. Uh, same story. Uh, bird ate some berries, hopped aboard a boat, came across you know, the pond, and uh, basically uh, started uh, spreading this bush with its droppings. And ended up turning a, um, let's just say a mature woodland area into a situation where this bush being from China has a two month longer growing photo period than the rest of anything that lives around here. So it'll be green come the end of February, early March before anything else has its leaves. And when everything has dropped its leaves and fall, this thing's still alive and going. So what it basically does is it it increases its growing period to the point where, because of the way the, this thing is, it grows so thick and clustered that when a mature tree drops its seed, if it drops its seed in an area where this bush is growing, this bush has... Uh, uh, so much thickness to it that no sunlight can actually penetrate to the ground mm -hmm. and allow a newer generation of uh, seedling to grow. Um, that's not near as scary as some of these other things that are growing out there. There's actually, um, I'm just going to make it short, but there's actually stuff that has like a chemical reaction to the soil that's augmented by um, these invasive species. Basically, it makes it so nothing else can grow in the area that this bush is growing or tree um, except other ones just like it. They call that aliopathy. But, uh, you know, these are some things that I, my company, deal with that's kind of a niche-related um, yeah. thing. <laughs> I can tell. Um, <laughs> I can tell it's Not niche. a lot of people do it, but because not a lot of people do it, that makes it a bigger market for me. Yeah. Um, more valuable. You know, and all that was, was me asking some questions and saying, Hey, you know, there's this problem. 
you know, there's guys that are teaching about it, but is anyone actually going and doing the work? You know, part of my certifications is, is I got to keep up with uh, continuing education credits. You know, I have to go to so many classes every three years, and basically every class I go to you know, counts as credit. But, you know, well, some guys go there just to get their points, if you will. I go there, and I'm actually learning stuff. I mean, we were talking about drones. Mm. Um, now, drones are becoming a big part of a lot of newer industries these days. Maybe they're not new industries. I mean, obviously, it's creating new job opportunities for a it's, hobbyist. It's changing industries. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. And And the companies that are innovative enough to ask questions and think about it and think about how to utilize this technology are the ones that are going to get a head start and leave everybody else in the dust, you know, especially if they're willing to kind of help pioneer it, if you will. Right. Um, but, um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's really interesting stuff, but you know, there's almost, um, there's almost a point where it's like, okay, Sean, this is almost too much to bite. You know, it's like, at what point do you say you want to do this? And at what point do you just say, okay, let's push pause on everything else and try to kind of see this through, if you will. That That is something that I would say that I am guilty of, being the guy that thinks big and have the big pictures, if you will. Sometimes I do have an unrealistic expectation of uh, how long something new would take before it actually starts generating money or, um, you know, how easy or how hard it would be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I yes, I have been in the situation where things worked out a lot easier than what I thought they would be. I do tend to over plan, which is uh, not a problem. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to look out for myself and the people that we employ. But yeah, it, yeah, I mean, obviously things don't go according to plan. And I actually don't like to have a quote unquote perfect plan when I go do anything in life. Oh, there never is. Well, I mean, A, there never is. And B, if if you spend your time waiting for that, you're going to spend your whole life doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. You miss other opportunities that could advance your, what you're doing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have the skill to say, have a big decision in front of me and be like, you know, okay. Yeah. In 10 seconds, I'm going to make a decision and not look back. You know, mm-hmm. you know, no, that, that is not me. I do tend to, you know, say, think about it overnight talk to my wife. We pray together and, you know, we're just trying to kind of, hear from God, if you will. And, uh, a lot of times that, uh, has saved me (laughs) more times than I can think, you know, but we were intentional about making that decision. I mean, we are still a small company. Mm Mm-hmm small companies in general for many years feel like every decision that they make can make or break them, you know, and more of them, more of them get broken than made, you know, it seems like. So that, uh, 
that is a fear mindset. And honestly, you know, we don't have time for fear. You know, if we spend our whole life in fear, I mean, we're just, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like we were saying, you're paralyzed and you make no decisions and then ultimately you never go do anything. So, yeah. I mean, uh, speaking of mindset that I think that's actually a good segue for something that I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I thought of this kind of as we were talking and so I wrote it down so we can come back to it later. Yeah. Um, You know, we we were talking about poverty a little bit earlier and I wanted to just kind of touch on how, how much of poverty really is mindset? Um, Having that poverty slash just lack kind of mentality versus uh, a a mentality of abundance and not lack, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, And to preface that, and before you respond, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, I can think of a quote from, or something that a guy that I listen to, a guy named Jason Stapleton, he says this Mm -hmm. often, um, and he's, He's a very successful man with, uh, he's, he's, he's been very successful with like his trading company and the guy who used to be in the Marines and totally just reinvented himself. Um, not knowing anything and like learned a business, but anyways, he says, he says, uh, there's been many times in my life where I've been broke, but I've never been poor Mm -hmm. because poverty is about a mindset. And if you know, you can choose not to have it. Um, and I just think that that's really insightful. So, yeah, what, what do you think about that? So there's a book I'm going to recommend immediately. Um, um, it, it's called Money and the Prosperous Soul. Um, uh, De Silva is the last name, D-E-S-I-L-V-A. Um, He's the accounting like book guy, financial guy for Bethel Redding. Um, and basically he wrote this book. It, it's a, it's a sequel to a book that was written before called The Prosperous Soul. But this this particular book introduces money into the equation. So um, starting off... I'll just say, you know, money is a tool. Money is not good or evil in the hands of people, um, good or evil. That's where basically its end destination comes from. It comes from the person that's using it or wielding it, if you will. So, uh, in, in my family, the Kuiper family, poverty is a fear that, that, I mean, it's, it just, it's paralyzing fear for the Kuiper family. It's been that way for generations and we do come from a lack mentality and that is, um, that's actually a spirit and, uh, in, in this book, they go into define, you know, basically the difference between poverty and mammon. Mammon being the uh, the opposite, you know, basically, you know, instead of I'm not going to have anything, I'm not going to ever have anything. I'm going it, to it. Mammon is I want it all. I want what's not mine. Um, you know, mammon uh, being like for let's just say people that uh, 
you know, they want to cheat the system, if you will, mm -hmm. to get more. Take shortcuts? Yeah. I mean, fill in the blank. I mean, it, it you know, in marriages, unfaithful marriages, you know, it's it, it all kind of comes down to these things. So, um, you know, basically poverty is that mindset and broke is a certain point in your life. Right. It's yeah, a particular like state that you're in. It's temporary. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like I'm in this spot, right? It's like a circumstance. It's I'm circumstantial. I'm broke right now. I'm not going to stay broke. I don't live in broke. That's right. I'm not going, I mean, it's just here I am right now, but poverty is uh, almost a disease, yeah. if you will. The people that are in poverty, you know, they've worried themselves to death or they've just, you know, overanalyzed uh, everything. They, they've thrown away their relationships with their friends and family to a point that uh, they can't get their stinking thinking out of their mind. You know, I, I'm a big proponent for declarations. Uh, Joel Osteen writes this book called I Declare, and it's a basically a 30 Joel day. Joel Osteen, what? I love Joel Osteen. <laughs> I don't care what people say. Yeah. He's uh No, I'm fine with him. He's, I'm on, just he's honestly helped me through some stuff. In in in, in particular I Declare book, um, um, you know, you've got 30 days of declarations that you make. And say what you want to say about like um prosperity preaching and all that, but I find it very relevant in this particular situation because in my opinion, prosperity is a byproduct of getting your head in the right place. So, mm -hmm. and then if your head's in the right place, you're making smart decisions and you're restoring relationships. And now you're looking at old problems with a new point of view, um, which are aha moments. And now you have something like, again, Uber, mm -hmm. um, that happened, you know, that stuff doesn't happen when you're worrying <laughs> or fearing or just paralyzed in general. Um, you know, that, that poverty mindset is a spirit that is, basically there to do one thing to keep you exactly where you're at to keep your head in this dark cloud in this trench that you're going through um i've been on both sides where i've had more than enough and that i've had you know basically a five dollar bill in my wallet and i had to make that thing stretch as far as i can go you know, you get really good at that, you know, when you're forced to. But, you know, I can say through those situations that my life got way easier going through those trials when I just started uh, calling out the lie um, when it presented itself. And, um, yeah, I might be broke, but I'm uh, still smiling and I might be happy you name it. Um, I still have a good relationship with my wife and kids and you get, you got to start declaring, you know, things that may not be 
you know. Mm -hmm. So one of the examples I use, you know, uh, or learned from, uh, actually, I think you guys would like this story in general. So yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, a really powerful story. So, um, and this has to deal with declarations and it has to deal with, um, poverty and trying to bridge the gap, if you will. So when basically you play the game Monopoly ever, most people mm, have. Yeah, it's been a long time since I played. Yeah, I mean, who? I maybe finished one game in my life. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. I always wanted to be the boat. I just played an abridged <laughs> version of Monopoly with uh, my brother. I, I was so bad at the game that I, I was chasing the colors. I always liked the colors. <laughs> and uh, and I was never really smart. But I guess uh, I guess I heard that, you know, the best way to make money at that, or, you know, to win that game is just put three houses down and no hotels or anything like that. Because if anyone lands on something with three houses, it's like a whole bunch of money. So anyway, long story short. Back to where I was going with Monopoly this. strategy. <laughs> so Monop, the guy that invented Monopoly was, let's just say, an unsuccessful person, and so much so that uh, they basically had this idea for this game and went to, you know, the board game people, and they and they thought it was terrible. And, you know, they were ridiculed right then and there, and they never gave up. So, like, the whole idea was is this husband and wife were starting to think about what their life would look like if they had a million dollars. Like, what would we do? What They started dreaming, if you will. Mm -hmm. And the dream sparked a series of events, if you will, that they continued to reinforce with their actions and their mindset. So like, instead of just dreaming what it would be like if we had money, well, why don't we cut this paper out and pretend that it's money? And why don't we, you know, start pretending we have this money in our pocket and and oh by the way you know like let's let's start buying property if you will what would we do if we had this money well what started as a concept that was pursued by continued faith if you will even through that opposition i mean this is a problem that I have, I admit. You know, when you go before people that do something for a living and they critique you right then and there and say, you know, your idea is junk, well, I admit that I <laughs> I believe them. I trust, you know, people that I meet are yeah. experts in their field, mm. <laughs> quote, unquote. Right. Um, you, but, you, you take their, you assign a lot of weight to what they're saying. But yeah. you know what I found out was people in those positions, like in the min, music industry, video industry, um, that are looking for the next new big thing, for them, it's way easier and way more likely for them to say no on a, on a chance 
that this thing might work out idea because heaven forbid if it doesn't and their name is associated with that if they say no and you know toss this guy to the curb no one will ever know right you know so, except the one guy and, except the, and, and his friends guy. that he tells but <laughs> it, it i mean it's greed and it's people looking out for themselves so these people come to them the second time and then all of a sudden they're like I mean, I call this spiritual favor, but like all of a sudden now they're big successes that the idea is innovative and surprisingly easy to play, et cetera, et cetera. Just the absolute complete opposite of the first time. And it's all because these people were faithful in not giving up, you know, kind of manifesting something that wasn't there, if you will. That's, that's why I'm a big believer in like declarations, you know, you know, I often keep a declaration on my iPhone as the screensaver for the day. Mm-hmm. So if I'm ever going through like a thing. Does it mean you, you change it every day? Well, I'll, I'll change it every day. I'll, I'll change it every day to whatever the thing is. Um, you know, or just, you know, encouraging things in general. But the, the biggest thing is, is my mind is so busy filling so many roles that, I've got to be super intentional about stepping back and finding that peace, that quiet time that, okay, Sean, just for the next five seconds, just breathe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, And that's where growth happens. I mean, that's where people find themselves being more capable than they were. That's where people find themselves telling themselves, you know, I'm just sick of the status quo and I'm sick of what my stars are. And it's time for me to actually step up, be a man, draw a line in the sand and say, I am not going there anymore. Where I'm going, I can't take this baggage that I'm carrying with me. You know, that's that's how that's how family trees change. That's how mm-hmm. I mean, you fill in the blank. That's the tipping point. You know, if I had... Uh, I, I go back sometimes and think, okay, Sean, you've learned so much in the last however many years. Knowing what you know now, do you think it would take you as many years as it to get back here again and to that I say of course not <laughs> you know mm-hmm. I, I wear I wear these marks with pride of course you know they're learning experiences and every failure learned you know I'm, I'm just going to Thomas Edison it you know it's like okay I just found another way not to do it you know mm-hmm. you know that's um, that's I, I feel a lot of that is missing nowadays grit if you will. People give up too easily. I don't know what I want to do for a living, so I'm going to do nothing. Hmm. That's and not acceptable. No, it's not. It's like... Can't use that. And dare I say, you almost have a responsibility to, because, yeah, there are people out there that legitimately cannot take care of themselves. They're in an abusive marriage, and they have to leave with their four kids, and now somehow they're trying to 
go to college and have a full-time job and take care of four kids and just try to find any way to take care of their family. Mm -hmm. And I mean, God calls us to take care of the poor and the widows. Definitely. And I mean, fill in the blank. I mean, that's, that's what I feel like the purpose of being affluent is, is to take that wealth and help to give, to be generous. To yeah. Help. And I've given a more, I've given, I've given a lot over the years. And I can tell you that it's not something that gets old. You know, it more, more times than none. It's like, I would say that it helps you more than it even helps the person you're helping. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it does something within you, kind of changes you. And, and it puts that purpose in, in yeah. things that uh, it's like, here I thought the reward was getting paid for the service or products that I was given, but the reward is actually being able to see what happens, whose lives I can change by giving, mm-hmm. you know. You know, our churches don't run for free. They don't run on good intentions. So, yes, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of um, important for us to, you know, help co-labor with them to help others. You know, that's why the tithe is so important. Uh, One thing that I had a long time or that I almost had a difficult time believing, if you will, um, that believe it or not, could almost be treated the same way, is uh, taxes. Um, Bible talks about taxes and basically says whether you believe they're right or wrong, you better pay them because, you know, our utilities, our law enforcement, our fire, our, our government can't do the good things that it does without them. And it it's part of helping create a thriving economy that at that point, it's not about you. It's about, it's about quite literally furthering the kingdom at that point. So that, that was something that I had a hard time struggling with at first. And, you know, I had a long talk with a gentleman at a church that was very wise in finance and spiritual stuff. And, and he and I sat down and talked about this subject and, and he basically shed this light on me and, um, I admit, you know, I was trying to find ways to like hide money, you know. What do you mean hide money? Well, I don't, I don't know. It's like, like, oh, if I make this much on paper, I'm going to have to pay this many taxes or whatever. So I gotcha. So you start playing the game of depreciation and all that, you know, legal stuff. But it's like, yeah. in, in the end, it's like. You know, you're you're trying to find a way to not have that big of a tax return where. Yeah. You know, this guy basically put me in my place and said, no, um, you know, this is actually, I, I'm going to be bold when I say this, but this is actually holy, you know, these finances that you need to distribute back to the government, if you will. So the government upholds the peace and uh, does the things that it does and it can't run on 
wishes or good intentions either. So, um, probably a whole subject in its own at some point. I, I know that, of course uh, it is. I know that it's so fascinating to me that, you know, I don't dare go any deeper into it for fear of kind of, um, watering down the points that yeah. need to be made, if you will. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Cause obviously I, well, maybe not obviously to everybody, but I, I tend to think they take a little too much, but I mean, but the, you're, that's not your point. I mean, uh, you're not trying to talk about how much is taken. It, it is a, uh, tax the rich sort of system. And, oh, guess what? If we're on welfare, why do we need to go to work? You know, and make minimum wage in the first place. You know, it, it, it is kind of a, it's not a perfect system. It's the one we got. And unfortunately the first person to say that is anybody that works in the government, you know, um, they would be much better off with a, um, flat tax, Mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. You know, a certain percentage, it's the same percentage, whether you make a hundred dollars or, a hundred thousand dollars or et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, that is, um, a very big subject. I think they do it in Canada and it works, but, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I'm qualified or educated. Flat, flat taxes. Yeah. I think it's, uh, on income. Yeah. Just basically, oh, I, I don't know that they mess around with yeah. the too many deductions or anything like yeah, that either. They've got those value added taxes though. That yeah. makes things a little more expensive. Mm. That's the, is that the VAT or yeah, whatever? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you know, can we think of anything better? I mean, yeah, is it going to take uh, some convincing to do? Yes. Who's got the time and patience to deal with all that, the politics and lobbying and all that that it would take uh, to do that? I don't know, but I guarantee there's people have been doing it for a long time already. Probably so. Mm-hmm. In the end, I mean, you, you, I, everyone, you know, we're each given our unique little space to do with what we can, the best we can. And I would rather impact as many people as I can, you know, and. Basically, I don't know, you know, people come to my funeral one day and be like, this guy was such a blessing to me and my family without him. You know, I don't know if we would be where we are today. You know, it's like, you know, I am looking to kind of uh, build that kind of legacy. You want like a hundred of those. Yeah, exactly. And you can't do it if you're broke and you can't do it if you're dumb. Now, I don't want to use the even word dumb because, uh, you know, you if go you're ignorant. Well, you go read a book called The Millionaire Mind and it just basically uh, destroys um, a lot of uh, previous thought notions about people that are affluent and um, how they think and what are their tendencies. And a lot, I mean, you'd be surprised there's people that the best they've got is like a fifth grade education 
hmm. or whatever. I mean, anybody can do it. Anybody. It's just, how's your perception? How is your, how is your look on life? Are you inwardly focusing on what's going on with you and what's going on in your little bit bubble, if you will, but, or are you, uh, keeping vigilant, if you will, mm-hmm. looking for ways to help improve the world in some way. So I cut trees. It's not rocket science stuff, but maybe in the way that I cut trees, I can help, um, dispel some bad experiences that people have had with lesser tree services. It's a rough industry and it's in, it's honestly filled with a bunch of people that, uh, look like they're crooks. Hmm. I mean, they just, I mean, and oftentimes, you know, there's those stories where they get prepaid for something and they oh. never come back and they never show up. And guess what that does? It makes it harder for the guys that do it right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, a bad name. and there's fear and there's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's hard hiring a contractor. If you're not from the area, you just moved in, especially you don't have that network of friends that you can trust. I mean, who goes in the phone book and just calls random random people? Yeah. I mean, I'm I the person that has had, you know, phone book advertising admit that I don't go in the phone book. I either pull out my iPhone or I am calling um my friends <laughs> qualified friends keyword. It's like, "Hey, I know you have like a good idea of uh, people in this industry who do you recommend Mm -hmm. one way i've actually helped dispel that too is it's like you know i i don't want to be known as the cheap guy that does what i do because if you're the cheap guy you're constantly fighting to be the cheap guy especially if you're that's right i actually learned that in college that uh in mark in business school Never, ever, ever compete on based on price. Yeah, because there's always going to be someone else that can beat you out on the pricing wars. Well, every Tom, yeah. Dick, and Harry down south of the River Kankakee by me has uh, a pickup truck and a chainsaw. They might not have insurance, <laughs> but um, or a bond or any of that. But guess what? In my county, uh, they don't require you to. So, <laughs> kind of makes. Uh, opportunity a little slim there so i find myself traveling but uh you know all that to say um the people that are looking for a cheap price i tell them right from the get-go it's like if you want to have that particular type of experience i will recommend you to two or three companies that will satisfy that need or desire of yours. I'm not saying I'm going to charge you yeah. outrageous prices. No, no. no. But uh, I, I've kind of prided myself on, um, and, and, and it later turned out I didn't want to work for these people in the first place. But, like, we always had those guys that showed you the competition's invoice. Like, such and such said they'd do it for this much. Can you beat their price? 
And I um, hate that. I, I hate it too. And honestly, like I said, more times than none, um, I just found out I didn't want to work for those people anyway. Um, you know, I'm really picky on who I want to do the work for, but, um, to at least hold some integrity, I did do something along the lines where it's like, okay, so they're 800, I'm a grand. Um, I'm not going to beat their price. I'm not even going to match it, but I'll tell you what I'd be willing to do. I, I will split the difference and, and that's me trying to say co-labor with you and help meet your needs. But what you're paying for is not just the service. Uh, you're paying for basically my knowledge, my expertise and my credentials. And to me, I feel like that holds a certain value. Right. And guess who typically is the low bid? Uh, the people that don't have any of that. So, um, I I did measure it at one point, and I was getting seventy percent of the work in in those situations. So, I mean, maybe a little idea for y'all, um, whatever your situation is. But, um, pricing is such a hard thing in general that. The best trick I've been doing with myself, and especially if I'm bidding work in the certain area that I live in, is, okay, if I actually had that money in my pocket and I had this problem and pretend I don't have the business to do it, would I actually pay for that? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it does humble you very quick, you know. So, you know, at, at one point, you know, we were we we learned you know obviously if you charge higher prices no i i'm good yeah i'm i'm good if you charge higher prices it's going to decrease demand and uh if you're not quick to figure that out well shoot now you have uh no demand and now your trucks are sitting and go oh guess what your trucks are giant billboards they create momentum you know, we were talking about momentum earlier. Uh, momentum is very essential in a business. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I got to go gas them up at the gas station before I go do the job. Mm. You know, <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many business cards we hand out. Just go ga- go gas up at the gas station. We actually got tanks at our shop full of fuel. And we stopped using them because we were stopped handing out business cards. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, yeah, we're more efficient. Yeah, we get to the job quicker, but we were losing more opportunities. So, um, you know, just, I guess, listen to your market. Listen to those people, you know, put yourself in those positions and, like, you know, figure out those fears. And, like, I... I I, I like solving problems so much that not only am I going to solve the problem with how to do this job for you, you know, we're going to help solve the problem of how to take that fear that you had away and basically make it look like, hey, I made the right decision. That's that's the end goal here. Right. You know, it's like you want to make the people that you do the work for feel like they made the right decision because if they feel that way um then that's where the word of mouth begins right 
Let's let's wrap it up with this because we've been going a little while here. What what does success look like in your mind? How 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 do you define it? I'm I'm guessing based on everything you've talked about, it's a lot bigger than just the money. Yeah, no, I mean financial component. Again, we've talked about money as a tool, but success for me, I think, comes down to the why. We were talking about the why, and so uh, like fulfilling it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my my why is caring for trees, serving the kingdom. Um, stewardship is a good word I like to use. I mean, I'm not only stewarding the care of these trees for not only the homeowner, but like future generations and that, but like I'm also stewarding relationships. I'm um, trying to maybe create something that wasn't there before with new people um and that's not just in cutting trees that's in doing anything so you know part of my entrepreneurial side of me i i like going and trying things especially in winter when things were a little slower one of the things i did was like i went and hauled cars and um you know, I applied that whole like stewarding relationships thing in that too. And in this one particular example, I was picking up a truck in Indy and the lady, um, I could tell she was crying. I couldn't figure out what it was, but, um, this lady had no one, uh, her husband died. And what I was picking up was her husband's truck. Oh man. He loved, he loved that truck. And they went and did this and this, and there was memories associated with this truck. And, um, I mean, my heart just broke. Hmm. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is, how do I make this not go terrible, (laughs) you know? So at that point, it's like, okay, well, I I guess I just need to be myself. So I, I, you know... I was sheltered growing up. I grew up in a Christian school and I just thought I that everybody knew who God was. And nope, that's not true. <laughs> you know, and in fact, you know, it all, at times it seems like you're the minority when you start talking about it. And in in this with that preconceived knowledge, I I did be bold in that situation and say, you know, um can I pray for you? I, I want you to know that I hear your hurt and I hear your care. And I just based, I took the time to listen. I mean, you have to listen. If this lady has no one to talk to and she wants to talk to you for 15 minutes, you forget about the fact that you're on the clock and you mm-hmm. listen. Because, you know, at that point, there's more going on than what you are even aware of at that point, you just have to be obedient to the situation. And, right. and I got to tell you when it was all said and done, I mean, this lady, uh, I would imagine that a, a new life was sparked within her because those tears of pain, when we 
first started talking turned into tears of joy after we sat together and prayed. And I couldn't tell you what I said in the moment. You know, um, I guarantee you that it probably wasn't, wasn't all about those specific words that you it used. It probably wasn't me talking. It's like I felt like Moses, where it's like, Lord, you know, I got stupid tongue, you know, <laughs> tell me to give me the right words. So mm-hmm. that's that's my purpose. The purpose is, is to help people to. Yeah, that was success in that situation. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. If that if that was the only bit I would know, then. You know, that's, you know, I'd like it to be more, but I'm thankful that I was able to impact somebody. And it's not about me, but, you know, if we can all have that mentality, I love the movie Pay It Forward, if you've ever seen it. No, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a movie. Oh, my goodness, Pay It Forward. So the idea is uh, it was a school project, and they were trying to figure out. I've certainly heard of the concept. Yeah, I mean... One one person helps three people, and those three people help three people, so that turns to nine. And it's like, and it's not just like this little thing; like it's an extravagant act, and um, um, just a really heart tugging movie. I I totally recommend it. But um, what was something that was started with opposition? kind of like the Monopoly story. Um, you see at the end of the movie on how it just turned into this, like, movement, if you will. Like, um, it, and it was it was obviously, uh, it was not a Christian movie. It was just, you know, like, uh, it was, but, but, Besides the yeah, point, nevertheless, nevertheless, yeah. I mean, it's just so applicable, and it's like, okay, you know, I'm good at math, and I'm good at figuring out stuff exponentially, and if I could find a way to exponentially improve people's lives, then I'm going to figure out whatever tool, whatever vehicle, you know, whatever business I need to do in order to do that, because that's my why and i encourage people to figure out what that is too and i mean we talked about it you don't have to be a rocket scientist to do it you don't you just have to be willing to grow and learn Mm -hmm. and listen wonderful i think that's a good note to uh to wrap it up and end things yeah thanks for coming good having you appreciate it yeah we uh yeah we got a lot of Got a lot in there, a lot of dense stuff. This is what I love about the podcast format is it's it's long form on purpose. Hmm. There's no such thing as, oh, well, we got to edit that down for length. <laughs> no, not at all because, you know, this this is something that you can come back to and you don't have to play it all at once. You can listen to it in pieces or, I mean, it can always be replayed. That's what I love about podcasts. Hmm. Such a podcast, hmm. such a pod head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I'm every time oh I'm, every time I'm just driving from job site to, you know, even just on the treadmill or whatever. I'm, I mean, I'm usually listening to some sort of podcast. I know leadership. They just, uh, they just work. Whatever. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of information thrown at you all at once, and, the, and it forces people to think. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully we got a, some of that result here today. I yeah. think I think so. So Sean, if uh, if I need a tree out of my yard, how do I? Where do I find you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can get me at two one nine nine eight seven tree. Yeah, we was able to get that phone number, nice. so it's a nice little uh, thing. Um, you can also uh, visit our website at uh, Kuiper. It's a Dutch last name, so uh, K is in kite, U is in underwater, I is in indigo, P is in Peter, E is in elephant, R is in Robert. Nice. Uh, we got the military alphabet right. Yep, there. that's my. There it is. Oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, Kuiper. Uh, vm as in vegetation management dot com dot com so awesome i think we are at tree stewardship on facebook as well Kuiper almost sounds like a species of tree yeah i <laughs> i know you know you get all sorts of people pronouncing it funny i just tell them to it rhymes with hyper or diaper creeper <laughs> yeah creeper keeper it's uh the U and the I, it's a Dutch thing. So I uh, Interesting. I find myself honestly uh, mispronouncing other Dutch names the wrong way too because <laughs> I don't see it often that way. So <laughs> Dutch for barrel maker, um, believe it or not. So I like hmm. to think of it as, uh, hey, I'm still a woodworker. Hmm. So Yeah, you know, <laughs> in might, your own way. Might be kind of neat for like this craft brewing thing that's going on, the craze, if you will. So pick up the uh, ancestral uh, habit there, business, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So thank there you, guys. You this has been fun. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for, thanks for coming It on. was good. And uh, all right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, like I said, I'm shooting for once a month on these and... It is what it is. So, all right. Thanks for joining us. Catch you guys next time. See you later. Take care.